This is the Blattcast, a sometimes fast-paced but usually meandering look at the world. Hosted by Christian Blatt, his trusty co-hosts Will Sterling and Jeff DeRay. So kick back, get ready for quite possibly the longest one hour to perhaps the shortest two hours and 56 minutes of your life. And now, here's Christian Black. Welcome to the Black Cast. Black Cast 387, which sounds even crazier when you say it out loud. Uh, Christian Black here, as always. Happy to be joined by comedian Don Jameson, who his latest album, Denim and Leather, and he's on Twitter at Real Don Jameson, and of course, the website donjameson.com. Don, thank you so much for taking some time out of your morning slash afternoon. You know, it all blends together at this point. Yeah, no, thanks, man. Uh, um, you know, n- nothing better than getting a nice hot cup of joe. I'm not, and you notice I'm not doing the fake taping a tea bag to the outside while I'm really <laughs> drinking, you know, a rum punch or something. This is actually coffee, so. Yeah, no, no, that's good. For those watching on YouTube, you can see the proof. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's, there's, <laughs> there's probably business to be made in sort of getting just the little fake tea bags that you can uh, uh, fix on there. You know, the way you put like a lemon on a nice tea. Here's, here's my fake tea bag. Yeah, yeah. It's like, um, it's like all the celebrities in Hollywood who walk around with their giant Starbucks cup the entire yeah. day. Yeah. Maybe in the morning it had coffee in it. Yeah. But by four o'clock, yeah. probably, probably a lot of Starbucks vodka in there. Yeah, and that's why you, you get the venti so that throughout the day you can kind of even it out. <laughs> oh, just got this. Uh, so obviously, uh, you know, a lot of people know you as a, as a great stand-up comedian, but uh, I would say it's probably safe to assume the majority of people who you run into know you from that metal show, the show you did with uh, another great comedian, Jim Florentine, and Eddie Trunk, who is, you know, sort of this, this like, guru of uh, hard rock and heavy metal at this point. Uh, I, I listen to his serious show every day. I mean, you know, it's... Uh, it, 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 it's like, I, I don't know him, but I feel like I, I've like called in a couple of times. I never call into radio, but I'm like him. I can talk to, you know what I mean? So that show was so fun. That metal show, because it was like, Oh yeah. It's like just a couple of guys hanging out talking, uh, you know, the way that, that we would talk about music when cameras aren't rolling and probably the way that you guys talked when cameras weren't rolling. Exactly. And that was, we, that was the one thing we said from day one, like no matter what the segments are, if we change them up, what you know um you know because we had our signature segments and and stuff like that but we said at the core of it it has to be exactly how you described it which is just us you know we're just all passionate fans you know and 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 the best compliment i ever get from people you know and, and still to this day is that's you guys or me and my two friends in my basement you know listening to music and having these debates that to most people don't have any right or wrong answer but to us there is a right answer between which album's better ozzy um oz the blizzard of oz or dire of a madman there's a passion to it and so god damn it there is a right answer to it right it's like uh, look i i i love both like aerosmith rocks and toys in the attic but if i have to pick a if i have to pick one i'll, I'll be happy to defend either one of them you know uh, and uh, that's why yeah that that throwdown segment was always good i like that uh you guys were hanging out at uh, Eddie's house like about a week ago, uh, his, his shore house. And then you did like a little uh, Facebook version. And in it, uh, Florentine mentioned the thing that I always notice. And Eddie is so tolerant of people who tweeted him about the show. And it's always the same thing. Well, why don't you call Netflix? And, uh, yeah. you know, and Florentine <laughs> seems to always wind him up of like, 
hey, uh, Eddie, when's, uh, when's Netflix calling you back? You know, because uh, obviously it's like, you know, we've thought of that, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not, this isn't a new idea that we should try and get that show on Netflix, you know? Right. Well, it's like, it was like, the, you know, the, especially the early years coming up doing stand-up, you know, people would, you know, you'd be talking to somebody about it and they'd be like, well, why don't you just get on SNL? <laughs> right. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> oh, so I could just call them up and say, hey, listen, Lauren, um, I'll be in on Monday morning. See you then, pal. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm working on some impressions for Monday. Yeah. One yeah. the best one of those is uh, my friend who uh, wanted to get into radio, his mom called him and was like, like while we were at, at work and is like, I, I figured out what you should do. You should be the DJ on Ellen's show. And he's like, yeah, I think, I think somebody has that job. And you know, why would you leave that job if you're the DJ on Ellen's show, you know? You play yeah. like like four minutes of music every week or whatever. So, yeah, it's great. Everybody always feels like they have it figured out, you know. Uh, so, and I guess sometimes you know it, it's all about uh, you know managing the expectations and and figuring out uh, where you can end up. But uh, the the idea of doing that show was great, and I like the 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 show you do now for Compound Media, which is uh, Anthony Cumia's network. Uh, yeah. that Jameson show, it's, it's just you, but it, it's predominantly a rock show. I know you have my boss, Dennis Miller on it, but the majority of the people you have on are, are rock guests and you talk a lot about music. Uh, so how did that, how did that come about? Did, did you pitch them or did, uh, did Anthony just think like, Oh, we should have somebody talking rock. Don would be a great guy. Or, or how does that show come about? Yeah. So, so, um, you know, those guys wanted us to bring that metal show over to compound media, which, you know, we would have loved to do, but, um, you know, because, you know, there's still a young um, subscription-based service, um, you know, I hate to say it's it's about the money, but, you know, to hire one host is one thing, but when you got to, you know, lock three of them in, yeah, it's it's, it's kind of a different story. And then, you know, and then there's there's other elements involved, but... No, and, and nobody could manage Florentine's writer, I'm sure, you know, like everything yeah. that he insisted for every show, they're just like, forget it, we'll just get Don, it's too much of a headache, you know? Yeah, right, yeah, he's Florentine always the difficult one, but, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, we, we, we love, you know, we all three love the network, we've all guested on there sure. over the years, and then yeah, it just came to a point of where, you know, I actually got so much great feedback from their subscribers like come on do something just do even if it's just you do something on the network and i was like wow this is cool like uh, you know in, in this world of social media where you know to me it's it's just you know especially twitter is, is just basically a hate farm oh yeah um to, 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 so so and i don't mind criticism but you know like 99 percent of it you got to just let roll off your back I take, I, but if it's a subscriber, I take that a lot more seriously because these are people who are literally paying my salary. Um, yeah. They're in vet, you know, it's a subscription service they have to pay. So I, I, I take their compliments and their criticisms. I give it at least a little more weight. And, I, and I've only gotten such great positive feedback from that audience and they're super loyal. So it's been a great fit, man. Yeah, and I mean that's uh, you know we've we've uh, kind of uh, cycled through a lot of uh, the the you know the on air talent uh, from Compound Media on Dennis Miller's podcast. You know we've had obviously we've had Anthony on, uh, Dave Landau, and uh, Aaron Berg, and yourself. And there's just there's so many 
great different voices where you don't feel like, oh, these comics are all the same, but they have the right sensibility where you're like, okay, they're going to say something that, you know, if they were on Ellen or Fallon, they wouldn't be making any of these jokes. But you feel like it's a safe (laughs) place because Anthony's going to have a place where it's like, you're not going to get in trouble for what you say. So you don't have to worry about it. I mean, look, Dennis has a lot of freedom for what he can say uh, for Westwood One, but at the end of the day, it, it's still, it, it's, it's, you know, it's right out there for free. And yeah, when people are paying for it, it's like, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. You know, it's like, they're your bosses. If they like it, they're going to stay subscribed. So then you don't have to worry, I think, as much, right? Well, well why can't I just call Ellen and go on? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I've got five clean minutes. Don't worry, Ellen. It's fine. <laughs> I promise well, I, won't, I won't bring my, my vodka Starbucks uh, when I sit on the couch next time. <laughs> That'd be the only way for me to get through that one. But, um, <laughs> you know, uh, the last live stand-up show that I did was um, Friday, March 13th in Philadelphia. It was the Comedians of the Compound. And, yeah, man, while we all might have a, um, a similar sensibility, it, it was great, man, because every comic was totally different. And, you know, to me, on doesn't matter you know if we're all from the same network or not like that's always the best show for the audience to see is you don't want to see five of the same guys slash girls go up with the same kind of thing and man that was there that was such a great way to go out before this whole pandemic happened and the, and the quarantine and all that so yeah I, I, I'm, I'm with you man i love the sensibility of the comics on the network and um and yeah again with my show i do a lot of rock talk but, you know, to have Dennis come on, you know, I, I, got, I at least have that. I can do whatever I want with the show. If I change the show every week, Anthony will go, oh, that's cool. You do a different, completely different kind of show every week. Like, th- there's no restrictions on it. So I can broaden it out to be whatever I want it to be. Yeah, I mean, and that's the best thing, you know, whether it be podcasting. And, you know, I mean, obviously those shows are all available as audio podcasts, but there's also the video. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to talk to somebody for an hour or maybe even an hour and 15 minutes, which, you, you know, the worst was when I, I produced Dennis's radio show, too. So you have a great guest and it's like, great, you can talk to them for eight minutes and then you take a break for five and then you talk to them for six minutes and then you take a break for four and then maybe we get three more minutes with them. So somebody would be on the, you know, like Tom Hanks would be on the phone with you for 35 minutes and he'd be on for maybe 15 and it's like, uh, you know, it's so infuriating. So to do it this way, I think it's great. And I love that, yeah, like your show, you get to have some uh, long form conversations. Uh, I, I had emailed you this. When I went to go listen and see when Dennis was on, I saw that the episode before you had literally my favorite uh, musician, Alice Cooper and Bruce Kulick. I, I was, I, you know, grew up a huge Kiss fan. And so that was the moment where I'm like, oh, I'm definitely gonna talk to Don because you held up the same album that is my favorite, uh, Alice Cooper's From the Inside. And I don't even have a turntable, but I needed this on vinyl because for people watching on YouTube, you know, you open the doors and everybody's in the mental hospital, you know, and, you, and I guess this one's not open, so I feel like I shouldn't, you know, because, but uh, it's a cool like physical album, but I've always loved the songs from that. And that's such a departure from, especially what he did like with the Alice Cooper group at the beginning of the seventies. Uh, what is it? I mean, I love that there, there's just that sensibility of him in the, you know, he, the guy goes to kick booze and he ends up in an insane asylum. Uh, you know, what could be more Alice Cooper than that? 
you know, yeah. but I, I love the premise for it, but the songs are so good. Like I, I always love that song. We're all crazy. That's kind of at the end, but, uh, and you know, when I saw somewhere in the last like 10, 12 years, he started doing wish I was born in Beverly Hills live. And my, my, my wife goes with me. She likes Alice Cooper. She loves the show. She knows some of the songs. She had no idea why I was losing my shit because he was doing this song and you know, his, his wife, yeah. his, um, sorry, his wife is on the, in the stage show, but his daughter was dressed up like Britney Spears. And I was just like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. And she's like, okay, I guess, but when are they going to cut his head off? <laughs> yeah. Right. No, that, I mean, God, man, there's a lot to, lot to discuss here because I'm like you, man. Like when I go to the concert and I hear one of those deep tracks and, and he does, he's done that his whole career to, to his credit, man. He's, he's never afraid to, throw you know I, you know i wish i was born in beverly hills or you drive me nervous yeah or public animal i saw him do he opened with public animal number nine right um probably about five years ago and i'm standing i, I went to the show alone um and i was just standing next to another dude probably around my age who was also by himself and when they opened with that song, I was I, we both looked at each other like, oh, my God, I can't believe he's opening with this. And everybody around us all turned and looked and went, what, is this new? What song is this? Like, yeah. we, cause, And we were losing it because we know this is from Schools Out in 73. So Right. And, um, of course, it's like, it's, like this, it's a deep track, but it's probably on, a, on an album that, you know, like at least half of the people there have because it's Schools Out. You know, right. so it's like you just don't know that song, though. Yeah, I, I, he, he does a great job of that one that he did recently. It's uh, I also just have the 45 because I thought it looked cool was uh, was clones. clones. And yeah. uh, I just sort of love the greaser look. You can sort of see I actually got him to sign it when uh, he got his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. You can just go to those things. So I got there early and I like camped out and watched the whole thing. And uh, I, I, I got him to sign it. Um, but. Anyway, so just being a fan, but I always enjoy interviews with him. You had a great conversation with him. And, uh, you know, I, I had the chance to meet him once, and I, I mentioned that I work for Dennis. So, of course, we got to talk about what a bad golfer Dennis is. So that was fun. You know, <laughs> just, uh, but I think uh, it's got to be great, though, to, you know, like you're saying, you have this show, and it's like you look down, and you're like, great, I'm going to talk to Alice Cooper and Bruce Kulick today, you know, and, yeah. you know, whoever. But Yeah, uh, well. I've known Alice. I've known Alice for years, and 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 you're right. He's just such a great storyteller. And I even tried to bait him into telling a couple of stories that I know he always tells, but it, he told different stories. Like instead, like yeah. that's the thing with him. Like even when I tried to steer him in a certain direction, knowing okay, he's going to tell the Elvis Presley story here. He didn't. He told a yeah. completely different story. So he always keeps you guessing. And that's why one of the reasons I love him as much as you do. Live, he always keeps you guessing. You know, the song selection. And his whole career has been always changing. You know, he was he was industrial in the 90s. He was, met, you know, hair metal in the 80s. You know, he was heavy metal in the, the late 90s, early 2000s. Then he sort of went back to like that stripped down Detroit sound. So he's always evolved. And from the inside, the reason I love that album so much is just because of everything about it, starting with the story. It's 1979, there's no Betty Ford Clinic. You're a hopeless alcoholic, what do they do? They throw you in a mental hospital with people who literally just chopped up their uncle in 50 pieces last week yeah. and, and mailed it you know, to, the, to, their, to all their friends. So you know, that's who he was in there with. So every song is about one of those characters 
and you, when you listen to the album, you feel yourself in the asylum with him. And, you know, it also documents all his, all his darkness, like in the quiet room where they put him in the padded room, you know, cause they were afraid he was gonna like hurt himself. Yeah. And then the, the ballad to his wife, how are you gonna see me now? Where he's like, he's about to get out. He doesn't know like, oh my God, is my wife still gonna love me? Like, cause he had never been sober to that point. So he's, and then the last thing was like, we're all crazy now, you know, it's yeah. like, did he lose his mind? Yeah, and that's sort of, you know, uh, and I know he mentioned this when uh, he talked to you, but, uh, you know, co-writing that album with Bernie Taupin, that's how you end up with, like, uh, how are you going to see me now? But obviously, it, you just see, like, how gifted a songwriter Bernie Taupin is. He does all those great songs with Elton John, but then he's right there with Alice Cooper with, you know, uh, Millie and Billy and just all of these, you know, crazy songs in there. Uh, it's interesting because when I first really got into Alice Cooper. Uh, I, I'm 44. So uh, the Trash album, that was when I'm like, oh my God, this guy's the greatest. So I go back and, I, and I'm trying to, you know, obviously for the kids out there, there, there wasn't an internet. I couldn't Google and figure out all this stuff about him. You know, uh, I, I would uh, try and, you know, I'd read old articles. Um, there's like these, maybe I'll, <laughs> I'll grab them in a minute. There's these like uh, hard rock heavy metal comic books that would tell like somebody's backstory. And so I would go back and I would like get these old albums and I'm like, okay, so this is when he got clean. But then you start like listening to the albums after that, which he calls his blackout albums. You know, you have yeah. uh, Flesh to Fashion, Special Forces, Zipper Catch Skin and, and Data, which I, I, as much as I love Alice Cooper, very rarely do I'm like, you know what, I'm going <laughs> to listen to Data front to back. You know, maybe it might make me laugh to listen to that song. I love America. But, uh, you know, and he even says he doesn't remember doing those songs. And I'm like, yeah, I can't blame you. <laughs> you know, yeah. they're <laughs> you just so be in a weird mood. They're to pull so out one weird. Of those albums. Yeah. And, you know, and, and the, the, it's just uh, it, it was so cool to see. But then, you know, that documentary that comes at five, six years ago, that super duper Alice Cooper. I didn't even realize that like when he relapsed, he relapsed so hard that he like actually got into drugs, which, you know, I always thought he just drank a lot. So to see him really talk about it, it just helps you understand him better. And then of course he comes back with this sort of like the, the metal Alice Cooper, you know, with that guy, um, Kane Roberts on Kane guitar Roberts. and Kip Winger was his bassist, the Constrictor yeah. album. And I'm like, well, I love these albums, you know? So like Trash was definitely like my little gateway drug, the same way that really Aerosmith's Permanent Vacation and Pump were the first ones that I knew them for. And you just go back and like, oh, wait, wait, all this stuff is, is it's so different, but it's all good. But like you're saying with Alice, it like, there's so many, not even ups and downs, just, uh, you know, bobs and weaves. He turns so much that uh, that's why it's always so interesting to see him. Um, that was the first concert I ever went to uh, on the Trash Tour at the Ritz in New York, which I think is the, the Ritz that's now Studio 54, but it's the fake Studio 54 where they have like Broadway shows, not, a, you know. Um, but, uh, and then speaking of Bruce Kulick, the, 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 that summer I then went and saw uh, Kiss, Aerosmith, and then the White Snake that had Steve Vai in it. So that was like my summer. And that's when I'm just like, great, I'm going to do this like all the time. You know, I love seeing all these bands. I was wondering what uh, some of your uh, earliest concerts were. Uh, I know you've talked about how Kiss was kind of your gateway drug. Was that one of your first concerts too? No, I, I was, you know, it's funny, man. Like some of my uh, favorite bands, I, I never even really got to see live because I was like, a year and a half kind of too young you know what i mean so i never got to see the original kiss in their makeup 
Um, I never got to see Finn Lizzie, who's, you know, arguably, you know, them and Motorhead are 1A, 1B for me. I've right. seen Motorhead a million times, but um, but I never got to see Thin Lizzy. So that's the power of the music, man, that that band could still be, you know, that, that, that band's music still has such an effect on me, even though um, I never had never got to see him live. So, you know, yeah, you know, when I was a kid, you know, Kiss, how could I have, how could I have ever met them or go gone to see them? You know, as a kid growing up in the suburbs in Jersey, like it's amazing that like, you know, now I could call Bruce Kulik and go, Hey man, can you come on the show? <laughs> right. Like back then I'd be like, you know, I just show up at the arena and show my, you know, give my ticket that I mowed lawns for all week. And how can I go in and see the show? And now a lot of these guys are in my Rolodex and, and, you know, a lot of them have become friends over the years. So it's crazy how, how time has kind of, you know, changed things, but I, but I never lose facts of the, I never lose sight of the fact that I'm still a fan to this day of all these bands. And yeah, Kiss Destroyer was the gateway album. Um, the gateway concert, um, which also ties into to my life later on, is uh, Asbury Park Convention Center, Judas Priest on the Point of Entry Tour, Iron Maiden on the Killers Tour with Paul Diano singing, and oh, right. also at that show they toured together. Uh, that that they were that was Priest and Maiden the same show, right? Yeah, Maiden yeah. opened for Priest, and um, the, the the other two dudes at that show who I didn't know at the time, and we none of us knew each other was Eddie Trunk and Jim Florentine. So we were all at that show together and. Oh yeah, I've heard Eddie talk about how his dad like waited in the car, and he heard uh, you know Priest coming out on the motorcycles, and he's like, "What the hell did I take you to?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and then Jim, Jim came out all you know stoned from getting a contact high, and I <laughs> I did, I couldn't hear for like two days. Yeah. My parents were like, "Why? Why? Why would you do that to yourself?" And you know, we <laughs> can't explain it, but um, but it's funny that we were all at that same show, and then years later, you know, we end up doing this television program together dedicated to that exact type of music so yeah that was that was my first like big metal concert now I've seen Kiss over the years but man I would have I would have loved to see them in their prime Ace, Peter, Gene and Paul. Yeah I mean I saw them on uh I don't know you know the the what was back then the farewell tour the like the 2000 tour I, I that was the first time I saw the the four of them I know that it was great to finally see them, but I, I, I still think that they're, uh, they're great to see now. I know not everybody likes to see the, the four guys that come up on stage now, but uh, that, was, uh, that was the last big concert I went to in the beginning of March. They played Staples Center out here in LA. And you know, a week later, everything shut down. And I'm thinking about like, well, fuck, I was at Staples Center with 20,000 people. And then you heard about like all the NBA players that you know, came down with the virus. So there were a couple of weeks where I was like, well, that was a good concert. I hope it was worth it. But then, you know, oh, yeah. it turned out everything was fine. But, you know, just the idea of being at a huge show like that, again, I, I can't even imagine when it is. What, what was the last show you went to? I'm sure you didn't know it was going to be the last show for a while, right? Yeah, well, luckily, luckily it was the Monsters of Rock Cruise. So oh, I got sure, to see yeah. about 40 bands <laughs> play on that one. So that, yeah. was, uh, that was a good way to go out too, man. But, yeah. you know, I was just, it, I was just thinking, because we've been talking about Kiss, like, because I know Eddie is so, he's so wrapped up in um, Tommy and uh, Eric Singer right. taking, you know, Ace and Peter's makeup. And I get that. I mean, I, yeah. you know, I, I, I think it's funny. He's just so passionate about it, which is what I love about Eddie. Sure, but course. I wonder if like 15 years from now, he'll be up, 
like when those guys get replaced in Kiss, will he be yelling like at the two new guys? You can't replace Tommy and Eric. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like how many generations is this going to go on? Because eventually Gene and Paul are going to replace themselves, right? That's what they say, yeah. And I mean, the, the thing about Eric Singer is that he's been the drummer in Kiss now longer than anybody. You know, he's longer yeah. than Eric Carr, longer than Peter Chris, including the different stints. And uh, he, actually, he was the drummer in the first show I ever went to because he was Alice Cooper's drummer on that trash tour. And yeah. I mean, he's such a he's such a great drummer. And I'm not trying to take anything away from from Peter, but you know, seeing, you know, I like I I don't love drum solos, but an Eric Carr and an Eric Singer drum solo, it's not worth like going to get a beer or whatever. I always think those guys. Uh, you know, are really well worth it and, you know, checking it out. But uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And I get, I get anybody who doesn't want to see, you know, other, other guys in, in kiss makeup, but I don't know. I, 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 I and it's weird because Tommy is a great musician, but uh, you know, it's fine. Nobody, nobody has to go that doesn't want to kiss is doing fine, you know, and uh, one day they'll get back on their end of the road tour but i mean those are those are old guys and i i you know and when you're concerned about a virus that mostly affects older people you kind of wonder like are they going to get back on that tour ever or are they going to do it in like 2022 are they going to just do a couple more shows uh and you know somebody like like alice cooper seems like he's in good shape but he's 70 as well i think so you start so he's 72 72 yeah right and uh you know and guys like steven tyler they're all that age and I don't like the exception would be uh, Keith Richards, who I, I, I think uh, I think Dice had the joke that he died 20 years ago. He just hasn't figured it out yet. I forget how he worded, uh, you know, just but you, you think about all these old guys and it's just like, yeah, maybe we're not going to see them for a while. But um, I'm sort of wondering you as a, as a stand up, you know, we're talking about Florentine and I know last weekend he did a show at a, at a drive in which sounds yeah. interesting. And I'm actually going to have him on with Dennis on Monday because I know Dennis will be interested in hearing about that, you know, like what was it like? And, you know, him yeah. talking about like, well, they, they honked their horns instead of like applauding. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about that? I mean, would it be, would it be cool to just check out it for, you know, because you haven't been on stage in a while. If, if those sort of opportunities come up to you, like, oh yeah, we're going to have you, you know, stand out in a, you know, in a parking lot or at a drive-in. I mean, is it, is it worth trying that since there's, there's not real stage time at the moment? Hey, Christian, I, I can, I can even top Florentine. I did comedy in an outhouse. <laughs> uh, an actual oh, outhouse yeah you were you were hanging I, I you posted a picture of that right you were hanging out at a at a farm with i forget what band it was right they were uh it's, it's like a band that you know right yeah my, my buddy greg smith who's the bass player uh for ted nugent right lives right. out in the mountains of pennsylvania and he's been doing a live facebook thing um every saturday at two o'clock weather permitting and um and I went out, I just went out there to hang. And on this farmland, there's this old cabin, like, like the minute you see it, like, you know, nine sorority girls are gonna die in it. Like, it's like <laughs> one of those kind of look at cabins. Right. And then it behind, and they, they were playing, the drummer was set up on the porch and, and Greg and the other the guitar player were, were down, on the, down on, the, on the grass. And then behind it was an old outhouse you know like <laughs> cool hand luke style right, outhouse <laughs> and i was like dude i'll totally come back next week and do a set from the outhouse and i did we wired it up had a microphone everything the crowd you know social distance yeah, crowd and i 
and I did a set out there in the outhouse. So, and then there was a bucket in there in case you actually had to use it. And at the end of the set, I, you know, I kicked the bucket to symbolize where my career has gone. And it was actually a lot of fun. That's it. Now, now you know where you're going to do your next album. It'll be the, uh, you know, the, the outhouse session. hundred percent. It's already locked in. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, in terms of bigger gigs, you know, uh, I, I've heard I've heard Florentine talk about this. I've heard Jim Brewer talk about, you know, doing something crazy like performing, you know, opening for Metallica and doing like 40 minutes. But I know you've gone out on, on the road with a, a lot of bands. In fact, I think this spring, maybe right now, you were supposed to be out in Europe with Saxon, right? Yeah. Or yeah, not, not Saxon, but been... just, just, uh, just uh, Biff, right? It wasn't the, the whole band. He was doing solo gigs. That's what you were going to do? Yeah, yeah, with, with their singer Biff, yeah. and he has a solo record out. And then, of course, my album, coincidentally, is a parody of a Saxon album. Den instead of Denim and Leather, it's Denim and Laughter. Right. Um, so, which, and, of course, they were cool. They let me use all the, uh, the artwork and everything. And I was like, this will be great, man. I'll go over to Europe. And at the merch table, you know, hopefully, like, people will think I'm selling copies of Saxon's Denim and, and Leather, <laughs> You know, and I'll get a whole bunch of extra sales out. Yeah. <laughs> and by, you know, by the time they realize, you know, it's a, a Jersey comic, you know, telling j dirty jokes, it'll be too late and I'll have all their euros. But, um, but yeah, that's another, you know, no, no touring. So that, that, got, uh, that got shot down. But um, I'm about to put it out on vinyl, which I'm really excited about. So. Oh, cool. Yeah, we'll see. That, that'll be good on, on, a, on a merch table at some point. Uh, I feel like uh, I've heard I've heard you talk about some of the bands you toured with. Did you recently, within the last couple of years, did you do like uh, Faster Pussycat and and sort of like those those level of bands, right? Yeah, I mean I done you know Faster Pussycat. I, you know I toured with Zach Wild, right? His, um, Zach Zach Sabbath tribute band, um, Pop Evil. I toured with um, this band Hookers and Blow, which is. Um, Sort of a, like it's Dizzy Reed from Guns N' Roses, right, yeah. Alex Grassi from Quiet Riot, yeah. Johnny Kelly, and and Mike Duda from Wasp. So um, I've been out with those guys, and I was also at the Orion Festival uh, that Metallica did in Atlantic City, whereas me, Florentine, and Brewer, um, oh, you know, right, essentially, yeah. you know, opening for Metallica at this festival, and man, that was dude, that was the most intense thing i've ever done in my life just thousands and thousands of metalheads it's four o'clock in the afternoon and i gotta go out and do 30 minutes and it's like oh my god like i was so, I was so terrified and i'm standing on the side of the stage and i'm just you know it's august it's you know south jersey i'm sweating i'm nervous a golf cart pulls up and there's lars and I'm like, what's Lars doing here? I don't want him to see this. This is gonna be a this is gonna be a disaster. And I'm like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I came down to introduce you. So I was like, okay, that's good. Like yeah. if Lars gives me, you know, that's like Lars giving me the thumbs up. So yeah, man, it was great. He went up, he gave me a great intro. He's like, you guys all love that metal show, right? And everyone, yeah. So he got the crowd, you know, he got the crowd focused. And then I went out and and man. I didn't breathe for about the first 12 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and then I finally got, I found a place where I could take a breath. I was having a good set, but I finally, then I finally relaxed. I took a deep breath. I told a joke and then, and it destroyed. And then there was a huge round of applause. And I was like, 
I knew the joke was good, but it was it wasn't that good to get an applause. <laughs> right, right, right. And I turn behind and I turn and look because I see people looking over to the right of me. I turn around and there's James Hetfield sitting on one of the amplifiers <laughs> on the side. I'm like, oh, that was for him, you mother. All right, all right, cool. <laughs> and then I was then I started laughing and everybody laughed and then I was relaxed the rest of the set yeah. and I walked off to the side and Hetfield puts his hand out and he goes, hey, now we know comedy works at our festival. So what a super killer experience and then that snowballed into bands asking me hey do you want to come out on the road and and, right. and do comedy so it's been great the last 10 years and and just a little little tag to that to that whole experience the orion fest is you know it, you know because we talk about show business like how people don't understand like why well, just call comedy central and tell yeah. them to give you a special you know <laughs> right i play metallica's orion fest on a saturday thousands and thousands of people at this festival the following thursday i played the back room of a pizza place in north jersey <laughs> that's show business <laughs> they they paid you an extra toppings you know <laughs> yeah yeah right yeah and i uh, had a guy named Vinny telling me not to back up too far because the, the pizza oven was behind <laughs> What is it like, uh, just in general, like even if people, like they see maybe on, on the ticket or the ad that you're gonna be there, what's it like doing comedy when, you know, people are there, that's not what they came out for. Even if they know it's gonna be there, they're there for the band. So is it, is it sometimes you're just like, I'm not gonna win them over no matter what I do, or is, does everybody have some, you, most crowds anyway, have like a point, like, all right, you just have to find out what it is that they're gonna, they're gonna react to that isn't seeing the band that they wanna see? Well, that, you, the, the first part of what you said is the key to the whole thing. I, the one thing I insist on is that I'm putting in, put in the advertising for it and on the poster. That way people know, featuring the rock and roll comedy of Don Jameson. So to me, it's just, I'm just another opening act. If you want to come in and see me, you come in and see me. If you don't, you know, you could stand outside and smoke a joint or get a beer at the, you know, at the concessions. But you're, you're warned. There's going to be a comedy act. Now, luckily, I have a decent recognition factor with, you know, the hard rock and metal audience from doing that metal show. So I, I have a little grace period before, you know, people start booing. But to be honest, I, I think I've had, you know, as good, if not, you know, a better record than a lot of opening bands. I mean, you hear all these horror stories about opening bands being booed off the stage or, you know, being have stuff thrown at them. Now, I've had some not so good sets over the years opening for bands, but honestly, man, 97% of the time, people are really open to it, man. People are a lot more open-minded than you give them credit for. And of course, I'm doing all material that's related to what they love. I'm not, I'm not up there, you know, talking about how, you know, oh, my wife's a pain in the ass. Oh, my kid is nuts. I'm talking about, I'm up on stage talking about Black Sabbath, Alice Cooper, Ozzy, you know, whatever, making fun of the, you know, making fun of the headlining band. And um, it's been, it's been really positive, man. I gotta say, metalheads are, they're the coolest. Yeah, and I think that I I think that's really smart that you know people know that that's what they're getting you know that there there is going to be comedy at some point so it's not it's not a shock for at least the majority of people there, uh, in in the crowd so yeah I I mean I can imagine that that being fun once once you kind of settle into the vibe of it and you know the it's it's good because I mean most places don't serve beer and bottles anymore so if anybody's going to throw anything at you it's probably going to be a plastic cup 
Although yeah. I, I don't know, I don't know what they're going to serve drinks in, uh, in, in the future, you know, but, uh, I don't know. You're, you're hearing about, uh, obviously there've been a handful of concerts, mostly outside. And I, I mean, I've heard, I've heard comics are booked in places like Florida, like it, it, within the next couple months. Um, yeah. do you, uh, do you feel like obviously people are certainly ready, you know, to go to shows. And I, I think how, how difficult do you think it would be if, you know, you're even at like a comedy club and maybe they're at like, I don't know, 30% capacity. You feel like, and it's not just like everybody's bunched in the front, which I feel like you could, you know, it's like you're sort of making the place feel more cavernous. Do you feel like it's very easy to just kind of when, you know, everybody just acknowledge like, yeah, this is weird. And then they'll just be so glad to laugh again whenever that, whenever that time is. Yeah, I mean, that's the same for comics. We're just, you know, we're, we're laugh, having, laughing about, you know, performing in an outhouse or Florentine standing on the, 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 uh, on, on the back of a pickup truck doing comedy to beeps. But that's how, that's how badly the audience wants it and that's how bad the comics want it. It's, it's not ideal because you know, man, this part of the magic um, and part of the f formula for success for comedy is the seating. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you don't see people properly, the show will suffer. But at this point, yeah, man, it's like, um, you know, we'll take, we'll take what we can get until things get back to normal. I'm in a state, obviously, I'm in New Jersey. Um, I think I'm actually the last person alive here. So um, the, the, the lockdown's not ending here for a while, but in a yeah. places like Florida, they're in the bars, they're in the restaurants. There's, it's like nothing happened down there. So, um, you know, uh, I'm, yeah, my, I'm, I'm ready to go when it's safe. And, and, and you know, obviously I, I travel anyway. So, uh, you know, Florida, here I come. Yeah, my, my dad lives in uh, Tampa with his wife. And, uh, you know, they'll, they'll post on Facebook that they're, you know, like out having dinner. And it, the first couple of times I'm like, oh, that's so weird. I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's been a while that it's been open there. You know, uh, I'm, I'm going to uh, spend some time uh, down Orange County here in Southern California at my, my wife's uh, family's house. We're just, cause we have two small kids and we love our kids, but we've been in the house with them for three months. So it's like, yeah. let's go somewhere where there's a backyard and a pool, you know, maybe that'll be fun for a bit. And, uh, but you know, Orange County is further ahead of Los Angeles. So it's like, well, we're, by the time we get down there, it's like, your stuff will have been open for a month. And I'm like trying to gradually convince my wife, well, what if we went to a restaurant where we sat outside? We didn't even go inside. You know, the table's going to be clean. I'll, I'll even yeah. bring some Clorox wipes. We can wipe down the table ourselves. What do you think about that? You know? Yep. And uh, I also haven't gotten my hair cut in five months, which I think is great when I'm talking to you. But uh, at some point, <laughs> I'll be back out in the world and I'm like, I should probably do something with this, you know? And yeah, I, th I think we're both in states where it's like, all right, not so fast, everybody. Let's... Uh, We'll, we'll get out there when we can, but uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, honestly, it's, uh, you know, again, I have two small kids, so I don't like eating out in restaurants with them anyway. I'd rather get it delivered. I'd rather, you know, do curbside pickup. Oh, yeah. Curbside pickup is suddenly like places that never did that are like, wait, I just pull up in my car and you bring me the food. Oh, and you want, and, and you take credit cards now. You don't even want to touch my money. Okay, great. So there's, you know, finding the silver lining in there, uh, you know, for this, this weird existence that we all have, you know? Yeah, because we're all trying to adapt to the best that we can as human beings. But, you know, we all need, you know, the basics, companionship and all that stuff. And that's what's obviously driving people crazy the most. But, um, 
yeah, man, it's, um, it's just, um, you, you know, just trying to go along with the plan, but everyone's anxious to get back. And like when you see these polls where, uh, especially with, with, you know, with concerts, people are going, they're taking polls. No, look at this poll says 85% of people won't go back to concerts unless there's a vaccine. They will go back. <laughs> Yeah. Trust me. The first time they see a post from somebody at a concert having fun, they'll be like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll go. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, it, it, it's you don't know until you're in that position. Right. And I mean, when you think of the tours that got canceled or postponed this year, there were some big ones. But to save the industry, when you think of like, well, who's going to be out on the road next year? You know, because, you know, Live Nation, Ticketmaster lost like, I don't know, billions of dollars. All of a sudden, they're, you know, it's like bands that you didn't think were going to be out. I, who even knows? You know, I mean, I know, uh, I know Slayer retired, but uh, there's probably a, a, a dollar amount for like, you know, we should do some more of those big four shows. You want to split a billion dollars between the four bands? <laughs> yeah, all right. I guess I don't want to, you know, and, you know, I, I, so when you start to see like, oh, somebody's seeing like my three favorite bands tonight in my state and i said i'm waiting for a vaccine well fuck i got they're playing again tomorrow night all right i'm going you know? it's fucking slayer i gotta go <laughs> and you know and christian you know how i feel about about these farewell tours oh, they're yeah. not farewell tours which i've which i've proven um with all my predictions so even twisted sister slayer to me they're not retired they're just on the clock <laughs> right yeah, because that, that went, uh, didn't that go viral? You said to McMars when their farewell tour, which uh, actually is where this Alice Cooper shirt is from, the, the Motley Crue farewell tour, he opened for them at the Hollywood yep. Bowl, which was a great place to see Alice. And that was their big farewell tour. But didn't you actually get McMars to say, all right, if we go back out on the road, I'll, I'll uh, refund everybody's money. He said something like that, right? Yeah, well, when he was on that metal show, I said, you know, you'll be back. And, and, and I, and I was, you know, I wasn't being a dick about it. No. I was just saying, I know you think you guys think you won't be back, but you will because yeah. everybody comes back eventually. And I said, and I don't even think, I don't think you're trying to deceive your fans. I think, I believe that you guys believe you're done, but you'll be back. And, you know, Nick and I, we were shaking our fingers at each other, you know, very <laughs> playfully. Yeah, of course. And, and so finally he goes, listen, if we do come back free tickets for the whole world. <laughs> so I posted that that little clip on, yeah. my, on my social media two days go by and i mean i sure enough it spread all over the world people from tokyo <laughs> people from australia people from south america are all t replying to the tweet hey mick i'm from brazil where do i pick up my tickets <laughs> hey mick i'm from mexico where do i pick up my tickets he finally had to put out a statement two days later saying Okay, clearly I was joking around on that yeah. show. So, <laughs> just to calm everything. And then Steel Panther jumped on. They were giving him a ton of shit. Right, so of course. It, 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 it was really funny. And, and this, again, what I said to him, Mick, on the show is, I, I think you'll be back. And guess what? When you are, I'll be the first one online. So, and, I, and I still hold to that. Yeah. Um, I'm glad they're back. It's going to be, a, you know, hopefully next summer we're back to, to normal. And these... Cause that's a big stadium tour, right? Yeah. Obviously, you know, you're going to get some club bands that'll come back faster, but um, hopefully we get those stadium tours again. And that's going to be a great tour, man. You know, Def Leppard, Motley, Poison on, on a July afternoon in an yeah. outdoor arena by you. That's what a great time. Yeah. And you, you know, you get there early and, uh, and Joan Jett in theory is there, uh, which reminds me that when you were talking about opening for bands, 
the next time you talk to my boss, Dennis Miller, ask him about, he did a festival where there was comedy and music and he was on one stage. He got like two words into his first joke. And then the other stage, Joan Jett started playing like that. Uh, so like right away, my, I hate myself for loving you. So he has to like do comedy on a stage where you can hear almost as loud as him, a band. And, uh, you know, it, 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 I meant to mention that earlier just because it's, you know, it's like, it's tough enough to get, you know, music fans to listen to comedy, but it's like when they can actually hear the music, I'm sure it's uh, yeah. that much harder, you know? Right, and he's thinking, I hate myself too, Joan, um, yeah. <laughs> at, this, at this very moment, because uh, nobody's gonna listen to what I had to say. But, you know, was the, the fun thing um, about having your boss on, besides that, you know, I'm a massive fan and he's a legend, but, um, you know, I wanted to just do, I just wanted to talk to him about, about music. Yeah. And that was, you know, I hope that was a break for him from all the political and social stuff. And then conversely, when I did his show, I barely, I wanted to talk about political and social stuff because I don't really get to yeah. do that a lot. So um, I thought that would be a, a good dynamic to, to sort of take him out of his normal element even though he's he's obviously a legit rock fan, but to give him a break from talking about Trump and and what's yeah. going on in the world, and and again, you know, I don't other than live stand up, you know, I don't really have a place to express myself on how I feel about it, you know, yeah. what's going on in the world. So it was really cool, man. Yeah, no, I mean, and I thought it was great because uh, there was some of what I knew, but he, you know, he goes he goes really deep into, you know, obviously he makes all these references, but he'll remember stuff he read in liner notes in the early seventies, you know, on, on like an Emerson, Lake and Palmer album that he'll really just go into, you know, and it's, it's great. And when you're, you know, basically like his co-host, I get about half of it. And a lot of it is just me laughing and being like, yeah, right. Yep. I had no idea, you know? And then I'm like, <laughs> if, if there's a follow-up, then I have to admit, like I have to type really fast to try and figure out what it is. But yeah, and I think, you know, look, he, he's known as a political comedian, but that's why he loves doing stuff like on Turner Classic Movies, because he could talk about all movies and he could talk about music, he talk about books, you know, what he's watching, you know, he, he was late to the party and just watched, he just uh, like binged the entire season of The Wire, a series of The Wire. So there's always so much he can talk about. And uh, it's just usually people are like, oh yeah, this is the guy to get on to, to talk about uh, politics, especially right now. He's like, it's kind of exhausting to talk about. So it's great but yeah i can see the i could see it's sort of it was like a great it was almost like an exchange program you know like when yeah. he got to talk about politics he got to talk about music everybody everybody wins really um i did want to uh, and thanks for being so generous with your time i'll let you go in a few minutes i did want to talk about uh the album uh denim and laughter which uh i listened to uh before you were on with dennis but uh, i remember i made some uh notes about it uh so you recorded it like in a in a speakeasy in LA and I don't even know where that would be but uh it seems like it was a small crowd but like not even not in a bad way like in a way that you can kind of really hear the reactions uh, talk a little bit about where it was and you know this idea of recording in a venue like that which is slightly larger than an outhouse yeah <laughs> exactly I'm working my I was because I'm slowly working my way down to the outhouse right. so <laughs> I'm trying to size these crowds down for the live albums. I've just always done my live albums in weird places. You know, my first one was in a rock club. You know, my second one was in my BYOB comedy club down at the Jersey Shore. And I, I'm trying to, I try to capture a certain vibe with my comedy albums because um, while there's tons of much better 
comedians than me. Sometimes I'll, I'll listen to their record or see their special. And they could be in Kansas City. They could be in Boston. They could be in Hawaii. You know what I mean? It's like you, you don't get a vibe of like the setting. So I always like do I always like making that a part of it. So when uh, my friend's boyfriend, she, when she told me he had a, a, a speakeasy, a literally an illegal club in Los Angeles <laughs> where they have a bar and a bartender and a stage and they have bands and comics play in there. And it's also a recording studio at the same time. It doubles as a recording studio. I said, I'm in, send me pictures. I want to take a look at it. It yeah. looks like an old speakeasy from the thirties. And um, yeah, I couldn't, you know, you wouldn't know it because the only way to get people to come was like, I had to make a Facebook event. And then we said, the morning of the shows, the tapings, that we'll email you the address of where this place is in North Hollywood. And that's what we did. And I, I, I recorded two shows. Yeah, probably 40 people at each show. And, yeah. and But I wanted to capture that vibe of like, yes, we're in a speakeasy and we could be raided at any moment by the <laughs> cops, which I thought would be a great ending to the album if it happened. Yeah, as long as you'd gotten most of the way through the album, that would have been good. Yeah, I've uh, I, I've had the uh, pleasure of uh, being with Dennis a couple of times when he's uh, filmed specials. And uh, it's funny because it's, you, of course, you always do two shows just because you want to get it. But it seems like, and I, I'm sure you've done this for all, all the albums and everything, usually there there's one that almost everything kind of goes from one show because it's like it, it flows well every once in yeah. a while like ah you can't hear that jo joke because of the mic but and if, in the case of his most recent special we went and did that at this great theater in knoxville it was really like the first show it we were done and we're like well we got people coming for the second one so we might as well still do it but i think that yeah. almost the whole special was from that first show but uh, I feel like that's usually kind of what it is. You don't really mix and match as much as you, you think you might, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely, 100%, man. Um, and by the way, that, that, that record is brilliant, man. I, it's, I, I don't know if he ever uses outside writers at all, but what, an what a great job that would be to, to be a writer for Dennis Miller because, like, there'd be almost no reference that you could <laughs> write that he would go... So that's a little too old you know like what's yeah. the worst he's gonna say like I, let's not go bc on this special like <laughs> with, the, yeah. with the references but yet he's so current and he's so um you know smart on what's going on in current events but yet you know you'll have you know a reference from you know a black plague reference or methuselah <laughs> or you know uh, something like that so I, I just I just love that style and then and just the, and then he goes into like almost like one-liners and man it's 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 just so I love comics like that where you could you might get one silly joke you might get a one-liner then you'll get a story and so um yeah I, I agree man no matter how you sort of no matter what the method to your madness is as a live performer there has to be a flow so you kind of tape the shows and then you go you know what it's 95 percent this one yeah and then you go I, I kind of flubbed on here and like even on, on most of my records even if even if a joke doesn't get the exact laugh that I was hoping it would get but I don't want to just like cut it out of the middle and ruin the flow of like that whole moment like on the new one I, I there's a, a couple times where I go listen I can edit the laugh in if I want to and I <laughs> oh, yeah. leave all that stuff in you know yeah 
because it's like I, I'm not going to chop it out. You know, I want this yeah. to flow nicely. You, you know, it's it's so disruptive to the ear if you're if you're listening at home. Like if you ever watch comedy, some, sometimes on Comedy Central the specials, like you'll go, oh my god, wait a minute, he was just talking about riding a horse, and now he's talking about. Obama like what got cut yeah. out of there there's something there's something missing in there so yeah there's got to be a flow yeah no I mean especially tv specials <clears throat> you know for somewhere like Comedy Central where they have commercials there'll be that that like way too long you know cut of uh, cutting into somebody in the crowd like laughing really hard and then you're like <laughs> oh was his glass of water like not half full in that last shot you know they're like ah nobody's gonna notice you definitely see that a lot you know you're just like yeah i bet there was some good stuff in there but uh yeah so uh so the album uh denim and laughter i i thought was uh was fun and now you've already you're already planning for the uh for the outhouse tour you know and uh you should you should see you know i mean if people are, are gonna do tours of drive-ins like where are there other public outhouses where you could uh you know try and uh you know to help promote it you know, actually get out. Yeah, I, you know, I wasn't, I was thinking of that as a one-off, but now, now you got the wheel spinning, Christian. I think, um, I think the Outhouse Now Tour is, um, yeah, that's, uh, you planted some seeds here. So yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to contact a lot of, a bunch of farmers across the country and uh, see if I can, you know, rustle up a few dates. We, uh, yeah, I was always, as a child, I was always horrified by the, uh, the idea of an outhouse. You know, like Little House on the Prairie, you'd know that they had an outhouse. Um, every We didn't have a lot of money, but my dad would always get vacation. And my grandmother owned this house on the, the mainland right by the Jersey Shore, a town called Waretown. It's right by Long Beach Island. And so at this house, my great-grandfather yeah. built it in like, I don't know, the, the early 1900s. So there was an outhouse. And my mom would talk about when she and her sisters were kids, they would have to go out and use the outhouse at night. So I would, I would always kind of look at it and I'm like, I don't want to open that door. You know, there's like, there's like 40 year old poops in there, you know? <laughs> so the yeah. concept of the outhouse is, is so horrifying. But I guess when you think about it, the idea that, you know, you shit in your house and then you're just like, okay, now it's gone. I guess maybe that's worse. At least outside is outside, you know? <laughs> I, yeah, I don't I know which one, is- Yeah, well, the one fatal flaw, um, that I'm thinking about right now for the outhouse tour is, you know, every, you know, every couple of minutes or so, people are going to need to use the bathroom. So I'll be, what am I going to be mid joke and be like, yeah, so the horse had no legs and oh, sorry, man, you got to use the bathroom and we'll ha they'll have to stop the show, you know, 20 yeah. or 30 times during the performance but uh th these are little little minor but details we got to work that, out that's why we're in the planning stages you know obviously <laughs> there, there's teams of people live nation is going to want to do the outhouse tour they're, they're looking for you know niche things it'll be fine uh the last thing i want to talk to you about is uh i know that you're also uh, a mets fan and i always when i it's like when you meet somebody that's a mets fan you always want to know Oh my God, why did you do this to yourself? What happened? For me, I was 10 when they won the World Series in 1986. So for me, that's basically like, you know, appropriately for the metaphor, you know, uh, Doc Gooden and Daryl Strawberry were like the crack dealers on the corner of an episode of 21 Jump Street, where they're like, hey kid, the first taste is free, come on. And I'm like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. Oh my God, the, the Red Sox were supposed to win. And oh, the ball went between his legs. And you know, there's never really been a moment quite like that again. But uh, I, I, I've had a lot of great moments, including, by the way, flying from Los Angeles to Queens 
to go to two games in the 2015 World Series. And of course, neither are the ones that they won. So, uh, you know, I, I, I dropped like more than a grand to go to World Series games and, and didn't see them win in either of them. But that's just, that's my pain. We all have those stories. Uh, <laughs> is, it, is it just uh, just growing up in Jersey or what happened that, uh, what happened to you that you ended up a Mets fan? Yeah, I, I'm not the one who spent a grand flying across the country to see yeah. a, a doomed team. I know. Um, you know, I mean, I lived in Manhattan for 15 years. I, you know, I took the subway, so yeah. Um, I, you know, I didn't spend quite as much as you did. But you know, look, um, you, the, you know, the younger people are all into fantasy sports now, and I, I get it because. Players get traded. You know, like the team's ninety percent different every year. So yes. if you get attached to a player, it makes it does make more sense to follow them. But we're old school guys. We stick with the teams that we grew up with. My dad was a Mets fan. He used to take me to the games, and and I've just stayed that way my whole life. Um, you know, I almost never looked forward to a to a season, um, <laughs> but I'm actually looking forward to maybe this fifty game season will yeah. be great because there's no pressure. Like if the Mets like don't make the playoffs to get to the world series. I'm like, well, it was only a 50 game season. Yeah. And if they do make the playoffs and get to the world series and win, I go, we won the world series. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's no loss. Yeah. Cause if they miss it, you're like, ah, if only there were 10 more games, that's all they would have needed. Right. But uh, yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's, uh, it, it's crazy though that, I mean, it's not crazy because of how much money's involved that MLB seems to not be able to sort it out. But I mean, I think the NBA, like when I'm talking to you is it's June 4th. I think the NBA is announcing is a shortened season today. The NHL seems to have a plan. Baseball's like, yeah, we're going to let you know. Yeah. We, we, we want to, but uh, we can't, uh, we can't quite figure out how to make it work, but yeah, billionaires be billionaireing. Yeah. I think all the teams that own their own, uh, you know, like the Yankees have the Yes Network and the Dodgers have their own channel out here in LA. All those teams are like, yeah, come on, we got to play some games, you know? And then the other teams are just like, yeah, but we're not, you know, we got to figure out how to, to make up for the, the revenue, you know? I mean, the, the, you know, the, the Angels don't have their own network. Uh, and uh, so you just think that it makes sense. Like you're going to get a lot of money by selling advertising on TV, but I guess they don't want to share that money with the players. And the players are also like, well, I signed a contract for this year. So I think both sides definitely should come a little closer to the middle. It's just frustrating where the NBA, which I personally don't like to watch that much until the finals, maybe uh, like they got it fast. And I'm just like, well, yeah, but I, I, you know, how much more bearable would the last month have been if I could have put on a, you know, a a spirit crushing Mets loss at 4 PM Pacific time. (laughs) Well, that's what I told, I told Dennis, you know, when when he was on my show, I was like, you know, he got so much heat from Monday night, doing Monday night football. I'm like, dude, I'm a lifelong Jets fan. You know, my whole season every year pretty much is misery. So if they're down 42 to three in the fourth quarter and you throw a Methuselah reference in there, you just made my whole night. So um, I don't understand why these players can't just call the teams and say, Hey, I want to play. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. That's what it, that's just what like it comics. Yeah. Just yeah. do SNL. Just, just put that metal show on Netflix. Yeah. Players just call the teams and, and say, we're going to play. Or then, or, or then of course, people who don't understand, you know, how things get paid for is like, Oh, you guys did it on Facebook. Great. Just do that. Yeah. So just do it for free, you know? And, and uh, get get guests to uh, fly out to Eddie's beach house on the boardwalk or whatever. You know? <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, anyway, uh, Don, I really appreciate you uh, spending so much of your time with me. It was uh, fun to just chat with you. I, you know, when, especially when somebody talks so passionately about music, you always feel like you know somebody already anyway. And uh, yep. I love how all the bands we got to talk about that, uh, you know, we have in common and just to talk comedy and uh, everything in general, uh, it was great. Obviously everybody should uh, make sure that uh, they follow you at Real Don Jameson and DonJameson.com. Denim and Laughter is the album. That Jameson show on Compound Media. And, you know, people hear us talk about Compound Media on uh, the conversation we just had and on Dennis's show. As with anything, you can always get a free trial. Uh, you'll find so much stuff in that first week where you're like, oh, great, I want to, you know, hear like five more of those. So, uh, you know, I mean, if you think about the stuff we pay for, uh, it, it's, it's not a bad deal. You get so much, uh, content over there and, you know, one day we're going to be commuting places again. So you can also just listen to the audio version. So, uh, I'm a, I'm a big fan over there and, and, you know, not just because I have a free login for compound media because, uh, because I'm in the media. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're a, yeah, you're a mover and a shaker. I, I, I'm likewise talking to you, man. Um, you know, I, I appreciate your support and, um, you know, I'm, I've been finding in these very dark times a lot of comfort uh, in, in both music and comedy. You know, I've been listening to a lot of comedy lately, but everything from Dice to Woody Allen to the Jerky Boys. I've been going back and listening to a lot of, of my old uh, vinyl and stuff that I haven't listened to in a while. And it's, it's definitely helped to get through. So I, I appreciate you letting me come on and, and this like comfort food for me today man yeah so no exactly I, and I, I think that's uh that's that's why i do my podcast down here in this uh back room in my basement you see all these old boxes of comic books and stuff it's uh just it, it's 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 one it's something for people to focus on that's different than everything that's on the news but also i have two small kids running around upstairs i'm like yeah look i gotta go do this interview so this hour is like the def hands down the best part of my day and not just because it was fun talking to you uh <laughs> Don Jameson, thank you so much. Uh, that's all the time we have for the Blackcast. B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T dot com at Blackcast. The Blackcast on Facebook. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Christian DMZ. We will see you next time on The Blackcast. We're all crazy. We're all crazy. We're all crazy.